Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. A note before the episode starts. I gave Jefferson County Public Schools a chance to respond to the claim at the end of episode four that families who don't actually live in the county often secure their children's spots at DuPont Manual by providing the district with false addresses. Here's the spokeswoman's response in full. Quote, We have not heard of any widespread issues of students attending manual from outside of Jefferson County. When these types of concerns are brought to our attention, we do a thorough review and investigation. At this time, I am not aware of any complaints of students living outside of the county and attending manual. Now, on to the episode. from Iroquois High School. I'm your son's senior English teacher. We're two weeks away from graduation and so wanted to um, gauge his interest in graduating this year. We have, um, just like I said, the two weeks left to get some work done and it is possible still at this point, um, but time is wrapping up. So wanted to hear from somebody to know uh, which route to go in order to help your son. Uh, my number is 438 I watched that May morning as Iroquois High School English teacher Aletha Fields made call after call during her first period class, trying to round up any seniors who risked not graduating. Time was running out, and the stakes were high. Fields knew that without a high school diploma, her students' futures, especially their ability to get good, stable jobs, would be severely limited. Mostly, she was forced to leave voicemails. Zyron, a student in Fields' study skills class, was there listening. Zy, I only talked to two parents. You just called like nine. I talked to two. That's crazy. You know what that means, though, I left right? messages for all the rest of them. You know what that means, though, right? What's that? It's not just the students, though. Well, it's hard, um, you know, if the parents don't have any kind of influence or the child doesn't have the internal drive, it's hard to, everybody's not like you all and here and that's not saying there's something wrong with them, but it's like, come on, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> we got a lot of work to do. This, we're two weeks out. Literally. The time and energy Fields put into those calls, it was just one example of the extra responsibilities expected of teachers at Louisville's bad schools. Today's society expects Fields and her colleagues to be more than just teachers. They must also be social workers, nurses, foreign language interpreters, therapists. They must have extra school supplies and snacks always on hand. They must know the ins and outs of the foster care system and eviction court. Pick any classroom in America today, including at the good schools, and you'll find students in need, 
you'll also find teachers going above and beyond. But what happens when it's not just a couple of students needing extra attention? What if it's every student? So when I first started teaching, I didn't know how to manage all of that, so I burned out rather quickly. You know, after about three to five years, I was, whoo, goodness gracious. I was like, this is big and heavy. I, I had no inclinations of stopping whatsoever, but I just had to learn how to manage it differently. Um, Fields so has been I- a public school educator for nearly a quarter century, and she spent most of that time at Iroquois. But that's not the norm. Take, for example, the 2018-19 school year before the pandemic could have played a factor in teachers' decisions to leave their schools. Louisville's bad high schools, or those deemed just one star out of five by the state, saw nearly one in four teachers leave. At the city's magnet schools, the average was closer to one in 10. Though I didn't teach in one of Louisville's bad schools, I can empathize with those who choose to leave. I only lasted seven years teaching in New Orleans, and there's guilt that comes with that. Because when you leave, you know you're taking your experience with you, and that more often than not, you'll be replaced by a rookie teacher or even a string of substitutes. But there are ways to keep good teachers at bad schools. One that really helps is having a good principal. During her years at Iroquois, Fields had seen one principal after another try and fail to rehab the school's image. But under Rob Folk, something was starting to feel different. Instead of quick fixes, Fields told me Folk and his administrative team were focused on long-term solutions. The school was finally prioritizing students' mental health and hiring the right people for the right jobs. It feels very good to me now to feel like uh, my building is moving into kind of a golden spot, a soft spot. Um, Not that what we have is soft, but uh, maybe I should say a sweet spot instead of a soft spot, a sweet spot where um, it's not time to let your guard down. The work is still priority, but um, we're able to overcome some things in different ways that might have longer longer lasting impact uh, because... I didn't have to go far to find another teacher who spoke highly of folk. Right across the hall was Andrew Danner's classroom. Danner is tall and slender with salt and pepper hair. In my notes from the first day meeting him, I wrote down, looks like a cross-country runner. Turns out I was right, by the way. The walls and bulletin boards in Danner's room last spring were bare, a reminder of how abnormal the school year had been. I spent a lot of time in there observing Zyron, because he actually had two classes with Danner, a required American history class and a black studies elective. Danner taught in a nearby district for about six years before working for Folk at Marion C. Moore. And when Folk left Moore to take over Iroquois, Danner was one of several staff members who followed him. Danner is earning his doctorate degree at the University of Louisville and is the president of the Kentucky Council for the Social Studies. Pretty impressive, right? Well, on his first day at Iroquois last fall, his new students didn't know what to make of him. My first day teaching virtually, 
because that was my first experience with the Iroquois. Um, I was, I, you know, you, you start and you give your typical background. Here's who I am. Here's what I've done in the past. Here's you know, how long I've been doing things. And and, and I said, you know, I, I, this is my first day at Iroquois, and students would, you know, automatically, oh, why are you here? Like what? You know, did, I can't remember the exact questions, but it was just kind of, oh, why are you here? Did you get sent here? Did you get fired? You know, that type of thing. It's like, no, I, I, you know, I, I saw a job posting, and I asked, I asked uh, the principal, uh, Dr. Folk, if I could come, and he hired me. And so Before Folk arrived, many Iroquois classrooms still had chalkboards. He changed that. Mr. Danner's room now had a gleaming dry erase board and an electronic board that projected lessons from his laptop screen, including the one this day on redlining, a series of discriminatory banking and housing policies responsible for much of the residential segregation we still see today. Danner pointed to a map of Louisville from 1937. On it, the city was carved into a color-coded jigsaw puzzle. The green and blue chunks, those had been cordoned off as desirable areas, while the yellow and the red, those were undesirable. In other words, good and bad. It's just describing the neighborhood, right? This is an actual document. Like, this is, you know, this isn't like a recreation. This is, this is an actual, like, copy of a document somebody had to type into. Zyron was enthralled. The segregation he sees today, with mostly black and poor families living on the west end of Louisville, and mostly white and advantaged families living on the east end, it was right there on the screen in front of him, drawn up by design. Red and yellow on the west, blue and green on the east. I actually been studying this. What's that? I've been studying. I actually had to go like me growing up, I always have questions. And if I don't know something, I'm going to ask. So I was like, why? I literally looked up, why do white people live in Highland and black people live downtown? I swear to God, that's what I looked up. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what is redlining? <laughs> yeah. And I just dove myself into it and then started watching it. When parents and policymakers compare Louisville's good public schools with its bad ones, they nearly always bring up standardized test scores, the end result. Here in Danner's classroom, I got to see what comes first and arguably is more important teaching and learning. As the bad school narrative goes, I should have seen Danner and Zyron's other teachers teaching to the test, focusing only on rote memorization, or doing activities far below their students' grade level, or even throwing a movie on and calling it a day. Of course, that's not what I saw. Instead, I saw Zyron thinking critically, making cross-curricular connections, asking probing questions. He found relevance in his learning to his life outside of school. He formed opinions and crafted research-based arguments to back them up. Would things have looked different if it had been a normal year? If all the pressures of high-stakes testing were bearing down on Iroquois? And if, without good test scores, Folk could be removed from his job? I can't answer those questions. I just know what I saw. Before class was through, Zyron cajoled Danner into playing a video about redlining he'd found online 
from a YouTube series called Brian Ruins Everything. And if the neighborhoods are segregated, that means the schools are too. What? No, no, that that can't be true. We ended school segregation back in the 60s. Sorry, Ron, but I'm afraid that's not true. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the final day of the 2020-21 school year approached, I thought I'd gained all the perspective about Zyron's story that I was going to get. I was wrong. That's DuPont manual teacher Emily Sales, Brianna's English teacher. That morning, Sales was on an Avett Brothers kick. During another class I visited, she played Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. Brianna and her peers were a week out from presenting their final projects, and their task wasn't a standard research paper. Instead, they would write and produce their own videos. That day, the students were going to create a grading rubric for the video project. Like Danner, Sales was experienced. She was passionate about her subject, and she took time to develop relationships with her students. But she and other manual teachers like her, they aren't what makes the school good. Manual's magic comes from the kids. And we're not going to worry about C's and D's because that's not what you guys are going for, right? No. No, 100%. We're not even going to worry about that. And those are easy because it's just like minus one, minus two or more of the requirements. What we're going to worry about first is setting the B together. Okay, I like to set the B together. And in fact, we would have done this a lot earlier even with essays throughout the year if we'd actually had real people school, okay? So let's talk about Bs, because why do I set the B first? What's important about the B? What does the B mean? That's a lie. That's the manual lie, isn't it? Season? Yeah, I mean, am I right? But that's kind of what I've noticed um, after teaching here, that that's kind of what you all think, right? That the B is average. And maybe it is here. But it's not in everyday life, and it's certainly not going to be the case in college, because B is actually what? It's about average, isn't it, technically speaking, right? So to me, a B is kind of... Learning that outside of their magnet school bubble, a B is actually considered better than average, it rocked their world. 
I could have walked into any class at Manual, and students would have likely responded the same way. It was a real-time reminder of what sets Manual apart. Louisville's brightest students concentrated in one building. That was what Zyron was missing by not going to Manual. In every class I observed at Iroquois, Zyron's teachers challenged him. They pushed him to explain his reasoning and to consider different viewpoints. But what I didn't see in the weeks I spent at Iroquois was Zyron being challenged by his own classmates. Sure, Zyron had his own internal drive, but without that pressure to keep up with his peers, was he really reaching his full potential? Brianna was. She and her classmates broke off in pairs and debated the video rubric row by row, from clarity and complexity of argument to aesthetics and tech skills. Then, in scrupulous detail, they set the grading standards by which they themselves would later be judged. Toward the end of class, Sales showed them a few examples from students in years past so that they could practice grading on their own. You would have thought the teens were doing their best Simon Cowell impression. But no, they just had incredibly high expectations. Here's Brianna adding to her partner's response. Um, we talked about her aesthetics. They, they were there. <laughs> um, were they good? Were they aesthetically pleasing? Us, not really. Her transitions were okay. And her, there's this collage of pictures at the end, and we didn't see the purpose of that. <laughs> Sometimes she veered away from the argument. Sales's class was actually a dual credit course through the University of Louisville, whose campus is just a stone's throw away from Manual. Essentially, Brianna and her peers were taking English 101, meaning that they were earning actual college credits and could skip intro English once they got to college in the fall. At Iroquois, Zyron was also in a dual credit English course last spring. But instead of earning U of L credits, his would come from the local community college. As for advanced courses, Zyron didn't start out in Danner's class. He'd actually spent the first half of the year in AP American history. Couldn't do it. Oh, you couldn't, okay. I was gonna say, why are you in this class? Oh, I got, that's why I came to your class later. Yeah. I literally oh, were you were in there originally? Yes, I couldn't, yes. I couldn't do it. Like, why not? I was, the amount of work needed to do that class, nothing gets me buried. But that is not, that is not, that class is not for anybody that works or plays sports. And I did both. If Zyron had been in Bree's shoes, if he'd been surrounded by high achieving peers his entire high school career, well, I wondered if it would have played out differently. Maybe he would have stuck with the AP class. My instinct was to want that for him, so that when he applied for college, his course load would look just as rigorous as students applying from good schools. By thinking that way, though, Siren showed me that I was contributing to the bad school storyline. Could he have been a star student at Manual? I think so. But did he have to go to manual to be considered successful? His answer was an unequivocal no. I wouldn't have as much friends. I wouldn't be as happy. I wouldn't be as famous as I am. I wouldn't have even 
gotten into culinary because they don't have culinary there. Athletic-wise, I wouldn't have played varsity till my junior, senior year, but I started as soon as I came. So it's like, this was probably the best move for me. Every single opportunity I've seen that I can elevate in the classroom, outside the classroom, I did. And um, I guess you could say I am Iroquois. Like, there's not much, I, like, I tried running for it, from it for the first year and a half, but once you accept it, take it for what it is, the doors are gonna open. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. In education reporting, really any reporting, there's something called an outlier story. You've probably read or watched a lot of these. They're the types of stories that zero in on someone beating the odds. The thing is, these stories can be pretty problematic, especially when they focus on someone like Zyron, a black boy from a rough neighborhood, someone society historically hasn't expected much from. They make us feel good because they say, you know what, success is possible. For people like Zyron to achieve that success, though, These stories tell us they must be exceptional, that the onus is on the individual to push through or find a way. By focusing on the feel-good, these stories don't just ignore, they help bury the systemic issues really at fault for holding a group of people back. Some might argue that's what I've been doing here. Everyone I talked to agreed, Zyron is a special kid. Here's Fields. He is so easy to just go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over, you know, because he's got so much potential and he is so school positive and school forward and things like that. And so that's a a gem of a student right there who really loves their school and um, who wants to contribute positively. But just because Zyron is exceptional, does that mean that other Iroquois students are by default unexceptional? Or are Louisville's bad schools full of Zyrens? Thousands of students, each exceptional in their own ways. The answer, I believe, was scrawled over every inch of Fields' decades-old wooden desk. There, countless Iroquois students had signed their names in what had become a rite of passage as students graduate and say goodbye. In every flourish of Sharpie and ballpoint pen, you could feel the teens' excitement for their futures. But we don't know their stories. We don't know in what ways they were each exceptional. Maybe it's because we didn't care to hear. Because their stories didn't fit our version of success. And for some of them, their stories ended far too soon. And some of them are no longer with us, and their names are still here, and so it's nice to know that, they're, that they touched, like this right here with Keith, um, that he uh, touched this space, but he uh, passed away this summer. And so um, it's a 
memorial, you know. It's all bandaged up and tape up here and the sides coming loose, but I won't let it go. <laughs> oh, I, yes, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. That's sweet. One of the signatures on the desk was from a boy named Keith. He was best friends with Fields' oldest son. Fields told me he died of natural causes. Yep, I did three funerals. I'm a minister, too, and um, did uh, three three funerals this summer of students. You know, one was a car crash, and, you know, the other one was shot and killed, and then Keith just, natural causes, just slipped away. Before Fields and I finished chatting, Counselor Stephanie Mancuso popped her head in the doorway. Hi, Mrs. Mancuso. Hi. Oh, absolutely. I wanted to let you know that due to the fact that Balfour, we're still missing a lot of taxi vans, we're not going to do our pickup next Wednesday. Okay. Because I know people would have to make arrangements to get off work, and I don't want them to do that to come up and it's not here for taxi. Okay. So okay. I sent an IC messenger message to all of cohort 2021 to the students and the families, letting them know that we're going to pass it out during practices and all of that. Stuff. I think that's so smart. So. Because we can get them in this building to practice. Well, that's what I was thinking. If, and I put on the email that if, you know, your student has to be on track, if you have questions, contact their counselor. Because, I, you know, like I was telling one uh, mom, I'm like, if they, we have them here and they need to do something, we'll get them to do it while they're here with us. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Fields then asked Mancuso about the cap and gown for a specific student. Ordered her cap and gown. I think it's actually sitting over there. Okay. Okay, I'll text her mom and tell her I believe it's here. Well, I'll check right now. Okay, to make sure. okay, thank you. I know they're probably having financial hardships too, and if that's the case, then we can. Do she, she's supposed to be here tomorrow, so oh, I have been on the horn today. Trust me, the, every bit of preaching that I have inside of me, that evangelism has come out today. Fields went on to explain that the student she was concerned about. Her family was about to be evicted from their home. Until the end of the month, so graduation will be went high, and then you have this huge piece of where will she put her cap and gown just three days later? Where will she put it? You know, mine is hanging in my mom's closet, right? You know what I'm saying? And my kids' caps and gowns are hanging in my closet, but she has to negotiate with that. Is that worth hanging on to just three days after graduation? And so there it was again the invisible baggage from the outside world that Iroquois students just can't leave behind at the classroom door. Yeah, and their um, resilience and their um, unbreakable spirits are incredible. But children shouldn't have to be as resilient as some of ours are. Zyron's final day of school was May 25th. In his last class with Mr. Danner, he was the only student. If there was a lesson that day, Zyron was the teacher. He spent nearly an hour sharing his reflections with Danner and me. The the more I've been here, the more I've seen how different this is from other schools. Like one of my my football teammates from sophomore year, he got shot and he's paralyzed from the waist down. Then I got another teammate from last year. He got shot in his leg like a month ago. Then you got Kenna. She died. Rome died. 
There we were, just minutes from summer vacation, and this was what was on 17-year-old Zyron's mind. What is something that makes you feel like the most like a teenager, like somebody who doesn't have like all this like really serious stuff to be worried about? Yeah. Wyandotte is a park about a mile and a half from Iroquois, and it's where Zyron and his friends like to play basketball on a court named for Iroquois alum Bryson Tiller. There had been a shooting there just the week before. Zyron wasn't worried. I just shrugged my shoulders too because I go up there and just play basketball. You know, like, like, people up there, all the most hooded street dudes, I promise you, if you dedicated to the stuff. I know some street dudes right now who actively sell drugs. If I go up there with a basketball and say, can you rebound me, me the ball and just kick it to me so I can over my shot that night? Mm-hmm. I know. And nine times out of ten, they won't, nothing will happen to you as long as you, you don't come off the wrong way. Before buses arrived, I went to track down Principal Folk to ask him a few final questions. Danner had told me things were looking good for the fall, that most teachers would be returning. I found Folk in the auditorium. He was running through graduation rehearsals with a group of about 100 seniors. At the time, Folk planned on having three separate graduation ceremonies to help with social distancing. He didn't know yet that a slow-approaching rainstorm had other plans. So I'm a When students were dismissed, several boys stuck around, looking through a stack of brand new dress shirts they could take for graduation day. Falk, who kept spinning his lanyard full of keys around his finger, saw me off to the side. What's up? How's it going? Good. I asked Falk about his teacher retention rate. He told me only nine teachers were leaving. Out of a staff of 160, that's just 6%. A pretty incredible feat given the rate of turnover Folk had inherited less than two years earlier. Things were looking good for Iroquois. Really good. But then, Folk told me something out of earshot from the kids. Something I couldn't tell anybody else, not even Zyron. Um, so I'll tell you this, I'm 100% off the record. Yeah. It'll be announced tomorrow that I'm leaving. So. I was shocked, but I really shouldn't have been. Falk told me he was tired. He needed a break from being in a school and would be taking an administrative job with the school district. He had a freshman, a seventh grader, and a first grader at home, and he wanted to be a good present dad for them. But after all the students emptied out of the auditorium, Folk got to the real reason why he just couldn't do it anymore. In the past year, 10 of Folk's current and former students had been killed. It was too many funerals, including that of 16-year-old Tiffany Floyd, once Folk's student at Moore. Floyd was shot and killed 
standing on her grandfather's doorstep. Uh, I literally went to Simple Greek three weeks ago and talked to her and got fucking very free from this kid. And now she's dead. Like, really? Yeah. It just sucks. Yeah. And that kid a couple weeks ago got shot in the head. And he lived, but you know, he's going to be fucked up for the rest of his life. And like half this shit, it's like, over oh, what? Like, she's just dumb. Terrence Britt from Moore. At the beginning of the pandemic, you know, they, I guess they thought he was a snitch and shot him like six times and set him on fire. It's just, I don't know, it gets old. When the final bell rang, Zyron didn't know any of this yet. He bounced down the hallway saying goodbye to his teachers, every bit a happy, carefree teen, ready to spend his summer playing basketball. Oh my goodness, I'll see you when you're a senior. He's saying have a good summer. Huh? I said be saying have a good summer. Yeah, I'll see you next year. I come, when I come back, I'm going to have, like, neck tattoos. Okay, that's a bold choice. Um, I would maybe advise only one neck tattoo. No. Start, start slow. I'm getting the neck, I'm getting the ear, I'm getting a face tat. Okay, okay, bold. I'm going to say killer, be cute. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I like it, I like it. Be safe, life is going to hit you. Five days later someone shot out all six backboards at the Windup Park basketball court. If you haven't already, please subscribe to A Bad School on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to rate the show. A Bad School is reported and produced by me, Mandy McLaren. Editing by Laura Unger. Sound engineering by Jeff Fonder. Mary Irby Jones is our executive editor. Special thanks to Chandler Hopeful and Adam Fish. This has been a production of The Courier-Journal in Louisville, Kentucky, a member of the USA Today Network.